earlier on Joe Schmo. We learned that Joe wasn't popular with his bros, who sold him into slavery. Joe Schmo ended up in the house of one of Pharaoh's officials. Just when things were going right, Joe Schmo attracted the attention of his boss's wife. She put the moves on Joe, but he said, no way. So she had poor Joe arrested and locked away. This week, we start with Joe in a cell. But even in prison, Joe was doing pretty well. He was put in charge of everyone and ran the show. He was locked up with two other guys that worked for Pharaoh. The baker and the cupbearer had some pretty creepy dreams and came to Joe to see what they could possibly mean. Joe Schmo listened carefully and gave his report. The cupbearer would stay in jail for three days, but then be back to work. The baker was hoping for good news too, but Joe said his life would be short. Three days later, everything happened just as Joe said. The baker died and the cupbearer was back at Pharaoh's side. The cupbearer promised he would vouch for Joe once he got back in the house of Pharaoh. But unfortunately, the guy's memory was rotten. Joe Schmo was stuck in prison and completely forgotten. Oh, no, Joe. Well, once again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads. We're so glad you're here with us today. A very special hello and welcome to those at our West Campus and those watching online. Again, like they said, my name is Ross. I am the high school pastor here at our Newburgh campus, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39 is where we're going to go. And while you're turning there, I just want to know, do you like who you're sitting next to this morning? Everybody good? Everybody? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them, hey, you look really good today. Now turn to your other neighbor, who was your second choice for some reason, and tell them, hey, you look good too. Hopefully you're there. We're going to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 39. We're going to start in verse 20. This is where we pick up our story today about our buddy Joseph. This is what the Bible says. But Joseph was there in the prison and the Lord was with him. While he was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say, the Lord was with Joseph. Very good, we gotta wake up this morning. Let's try it again. Say, the Lord was with Joseph. Even in prison, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that we serve a God that is with us, who gives us favor and success anywhere we go in whatever situation or season we may find ourselves in. Would you pray with me today as we get started on this message? Lord, I thank you so much for who you are, for everything that you've done for us and for everything you've yet to do. God, I just pray that today you would help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively. May we leave this room better than we came in. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Can I ask you a question this morning? Uh, how many of you have ever been on a journey before and you got delayed? Anybody ever been on a journey where you were just delayed? Maybe your plane was delayed. Maybe you got stuck in traffic at some point. I remember when I was um, a senior in high school, I faced one of the biggest delays in 
my life. I grew up in North Carolina and me and a bunch of buddies and our youth pastor, we were really excited. It was just a bunch of guys to go to a leadership conference down in Orlando, Florida. And we got in a 15 passenger van. We drove all the way down about a nine hour trip. We were there for about five days, but after day five, it's safe to say we were ready to go on a journey back home. Home was our destination. And so we started driving in the van and, you know, it's just a bunch of guys and ladies, you may not know this, but guys, we we know this. When guys get together, man, we don't really talk a whole lot. We just make a bunch of noise, right? When guys are together, it's a lot like this. We're like, ah, oh, 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 oh. That's kind of just what guys do, right? Now, ladies, you have no idea what I just said, but every man in this room and at our West Campus, you know exactly what I just said. We just know, right? Me and a bunch of my buddies, we're, we're riding in this van and we're, we're driving through Florida. We get through Georgia and we've just now gotten into South Carolina. We're almost home. And up above the horizon, we see a billboard for the most wonderful, most magnificent place on earth. This place is called Bojangles. Now, if you've never had Bojangles, it is not a disease as it sounds. But in fact, it is a fast food restaurant with the most incredible chicken biscuits you've ever had in your life, okay? Hey, can I get an amen? Yes. For people who grew up in the South, you know about Bojangles. Now, we see Bojangles and all of us guys, we're in the van, we look at each other, we're like, ah, oh, 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 oh. Very quickly, we take the exit, we go into Bojangles, we get way too many chicken biscuits, but we somehow managed to take them all back to the van and we ate them all. Now, after I am full, I tend to take naps. And so I fell asleep in the van, so did all my buddies. The only person that was awake was our youth pastor. And so he's driving, we're driving, you know, we get back in the van, we get back on the road, right? After a few hours, I wake up from my nap and immediately I'm wondering where we're at. We should be getting close to home. We've been driving for a while. I ask some of my buddies, I wake them up. I say, hey man, where are we at? They're like, I I don't know. We start looking around, trying to find signs that will give us a clue of how close we are to home. All of a sudden, again on the horizon now, we see a sign that says, welcome to Florida. We all went, ah, oh, no, no, no. We quickly realized instead of hopping back on I-95 North after being a little distracted by the Bojangles chicken biscuits, we instead got back on I-95 South, drove all the way back through Georgia and ended back up in Florida once again. A trip that was supposed to take us only nine hours, we ended up being delayed and it took us about 16 hours to get home. I'd say all that to say this, that life is a journey. And on this journey, especially the journey of faith, how many of you know our God promises us not a problem-free life, but he promises us through the delays, the troubles, and all the tests that he'll actually be there with us through them. This is the God that we serve. He promises us we will, he will always be with us, even through the delays. Which brings us back to our friend, Joseph, who now we've been talking about for the past few weeks. This is the third week of this series. And what we found out about Joseph is early on in his life, he has a dream. God gives him a destiny and a journey to go on. 
But as soon as he gets this dream, he tells the right dream to the wrong people and his brothers throw him into a pit and then sell him into slavery. And he faces his first delay, if you will, or his test on his journey, the test of rejection. He's rejected by his own family, his own brothers, as he is sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar, which is what we talked about last week. As now he's a slave in Potiphar's home, though the Bible says that he begins to find success and favor, and God is again with him in Potiphar's home. But not only does Joseph find favor with Potiphar, Joseph finds favor with Mrs. Potiphar. Bible says that he is well-built and handsome, just like me, praise God. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny. Um, But the Bible says that he catches the eye of Potiphar's wife. And one day she comes up into his quarters, you know, doing her thing. So Joe. Bible says she's pretty forward with him. She says, Joseph, I want you to come to bed with me. And now he is faced with his second test. The first one, rejection. The second one, temptation. We see temptation, that test happens all throughout the Bible. The very first sin is Adam and Eve giving in to temptation. And you see David giving into temptation with this woman Bathsheba that he sees bathing on top of a roof. Even Jesus himself was tempted by Satan. He was asked to turn stones into bread. Why? Probably so he could go make some chicken biscuits, okay? <laughs> temptation is all over the Bible, but it's a test that we all must overcome. It's as if Potiphar's wife is trying to get Joseph to understand, listen, nobody's going to know. No one's going to find out. It's just going to be our little secret. Yet there's something on the inside of Joseph that decides, you know what? They may not know, but I will know and my God will know. And I'm not trading my eternity for your turn at me. So I don't think so, ma'am. And immediately we want to go like, yeah, Joseph, good job, buddy. Good things are coming your way. Except (laughs) that Potiphar's wife is upset that she gets shut down. She lies about Joseph. She tells her husband, listen, Joseph tried to come on to me. And then Potiphar throws our buddy Joe into prison. And now he's faced with his third test, which we're going to talk about today. The test of isolation, the test of isolation. He's alone all by himself, isolated. Today, I have three points to give you. I hope you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, um, then, you know, that's okay. That's okay. All right, I'm just judging you a little bit on the inside, it's fine. There's a secret fast pass lane for all people who take notes in church. It's somewhere in the Bible, in Leviticus somewhere, I don't know. Um, But if you're taking notes, point number one of my message this morning is this, isolation is not your final destination. Isolation is not your final destination. I wrote it down this way. I said, isolation is just a part of the process. It's just a part of the process. Yeah, I don't know about you. I don't like that word process. I kind of think about it like a photograph, right? A photograph, this may be hard to imagine in a day where we all have iPhones and we can take as many pictures as we want to. But back in the day, I remember this stuff called, get this, film. You ever heard of this? It's crazy. It's crazy. There was these things called cameras and they had film inside of them. And back in the day, you remember the little cameras that you had to wind up before you took the picture, right? I remember you would have only like, you didn't have a million options to get the right selfie. You had like 12, okay? If somebody tried to photobomb your selfie back in the day, they could get killed for that, all right? I remember you'd have to take the film little capsule to a store to have the film developed and you'd have to wait. 
It was like a topic of conversation. You would tell your friends all about the photos you took over the weekend and how you couldn't wait to see them. You had to wait for it. Why? Because the film needed to go through a process and it, need to, it needed to be developed. It needed to be developed. There's a process, though, that the film had to go through. It's called going into the, the dark room where the film actually needed to be isolated from everything else. It had to not be exposed to any light at all. And while it wasn't the film's final destination, it was necessary for the developing process. And this is where we find Joseph. He is literally in a dark room. He is in a prison all by himself. Here are the facts, friends. He made the right decision, but ended up in the prison. If this applies to us today, then you need to understand sometimes doing the right thing will still end up taking you places you don't want to be. Obeying God still doesn't mean that your life is going to go perfect. It actually sometimes means that things aren't going to go the way that you want them to go. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're a guy in here who's decided you're going to have integrity at your job. You're going to do things the right way, yet you see guys to the left and the right of you who are doing things their own way, who are working their way up the corporate ladder because they are lying, cheating, backstabbing people. And they're getting promotion after promotion, raise after raise, while you're still stuck at the same position you were when you first started. And you're thinking, I'm frustrated because I feel isolated. I'm at the same spot where they're doing things the wrong way and I'm doing things the right way. Maybe you're a lady in here who's decided that you want to live a life of purity, but as time has gone on, relationships just haven't worked out for you, yet you see your girlfriends who are doing it their own way and getting engaged, finding their man, getting married. You see the rings, you see the children on Facebook and Instagram, and it feels like it's just rubbed in your face every single day when you chose to do the right thing, and now you're frustrated because you're isolated. Maybe you're in a marriage today that isn't now what it used to be, and it feels like you're the only one who's trying. You feel isolated in your own home. Maybe you're a student in here today and you've decided you want to live for Jesus in your school. But as you do, you feel your popularity slipping away. If this is you today, I need to remind you, I, I have been there. When I was 16 years old, God radically changed my life and I had to let go of some things and some people. And I felt isolated and I was frustrated. But I'm here to remind you today, it's all a part of the process. If this is you today, please hear what I'm trying to say that you live in this world, but you are not of this world. It may seem like you were in a dark place, but it's only a part of the developing process. Our God is still with you. He is for you. He's giving you success and favor. The Bible actually says that he is for you and not against you. Right now, it seems like you're in isolation, but I can promise you it is not your final destination. Don't give up. He is with you. Don't give up. Number one, isolation is not your final destination. Number two, isolation could be your invitation. Isolation could be your invitation. As we continue to read the story about Joseph, we see in Genesis chapter 40, starting in verse one, it says, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. So now they're in prison with Joseph. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. 
When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in, the, in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? I love this part of the story because I feel like it gives us a little bit of insight into Joseph's character. Like he was the kind of guy who did not see obstacles, but instead he saw opportunities. He did not see isolation, but instead he saw an invitation. Instead, he saw an invitation. You ever met that kind of person that's so positive, they sometimes make you negative? For me, this person was always my dad. I can remember when I was in the seventh grade, I was really excited about being a part of my middle school soccer team, right? And I was really excited until our first day of practice and I scoped out my teammates. Because I started looking around and I realized, man, we, we, are, not gonna be, we are not gonna be good. We can't, we can't kick, we can't pass, we can't shoot, we can't dribble the soccer ball, we can't do anything. Our goalie is the shortest guy on the team. This is not good. I came home that day, my dad was sitting on the couch, you know, he's asking me how the first practice went. I said, dad, you need to turn off the TV, okay? We need to talk, we got a problem. I know I was really excited about this soccer season, but now I am not. We don't look like we're gonna be good at all, okay? We can't do anything, we're short and we're slow. This is not good, this is not good. He said, son, this is great. I said, what do you mean this is great? How can this be great, dad? He goes, son. Listen, I can see it now. You guys are gonna get out there for your first game of the season. The other team's gonna be scoping you out. They're gonna think because you're short, you're fast, but you're not. Son, you're gonna get out there. Your whole team is gonna be like a change-up. They won't know what hit them, son. It's gonna work out for you. Okay, okay, all right, okay, all right. I'm thinking to myself, maybe, maybe he's onto something here. First game of the season, we get out there, doesn't take long to know that the change-up theory is not working. We lost the first game 10 to nothing. 10 to nothing in soccer. <laughs> I remember we get back in the car. I look at my dad as he's driving. I'm like, your theory was wrong, okay? <laughs> the whole change-up thing, no, not a good idea, okay? We just got killed. 10 nothing, dad. And it's the first game of the season. This is not good. This is not good. He looks at me. He says, son, this is great. <laughs> I said, how is this great? We got beat 10 nothing. He goes, son, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Now's the time for you to step up as the leader. You need to rally the troops together. You can turn this season around. I said, okay, okay. All right. Maybe, you know, maybe you're right, dad. You know, kept that kind of spirit in me for the next game. Didn't work. Next game di didn't work. We had 12 games all season long. We lost every single one of them. We scored, <laughs> we scored one goal all season. <laughs> and I think it was an accident. <laughs> I remember after the last game is over, I'm so frustrated. Before I even left the field, I kicked off my cleats. I took my jersey off and I threw it on the ground. I looked up at my dad. I said, you're a liar, <laughs> okay? You told me this was gonna work. We could turn the season around. Well, look, buddy, we lost every single game, okay? They allow you to tie in soccer, dad. Did you know that? We couldn't even do that. I said, dad, this is not good. He said, ha ha, son, this is perfect. I said, how is this perfect? He goes, son, because baseball season's just around the corner. What my dad was trying to instill in me from a very early age is that no matter what, 
It doesn't matter what season I'm in, man, I got to keep a good spirit. No matter what, I see obstacles as opportunity. I see every moment of isolation as an invitation to have a good attitude. And this is exactly what we see in Joseph. He's in a bad situation, but he's got a good spirit. I imagine Joseph, he comes into the prison that day, you know, he's kind of like bouncing around. They're looking all sad and everything. And he's like, hey guys, what's up? How's everybody doing? Why are you looking so sad? God is good, amen. And all the time he is good, amen. All right, right, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you doing today? Why you guys look so sad? I'm like, cause they're in prison, Joseph. That's why, you know? But they said, we're sad because we had these dreams and we don't know what they mean. And Joseph goes, oh man, I know God. And he tells me really what to say when people have some dreams. I'm pretty good with dreams. Why don't you tell me? What's Joseph doing? He's using the gift that God gave him, even in isolation. It's almost as if God is giving him an opportunity or an invitation and asking him, Joseph, will you still serve me in the prison? Will you still serve me in isolation? Will you serve me in the dark where nobody can see? Who are you when no one's looking? Will you serve me when no one's going to clap for you, where no one's going to applaud you, where you won't be on the platform? Because if you'll serve me in the prison, I can trust that you'll serve me in the palace. Hear me today. If you're frustrated because you are in isolation, just know that our God is waiting to see who you are when you are alone so that he can trust who you'll be when you are known. It's a very simple biblical principle that what is done in the dark will be brought to the light. What I find so fascinating about Joseph is that at the end of chapter 39, he's the same person that he was at the beginning of chapter 39. He was in a prison at the end of 39. He was just being sold into slavery at the beginning of 39. And check this out. At the end of 39, the Bible says that he was finding success. He was finding favor and the Lord was with him. At the beginning of 39, when he had just been sold into slavery, he was finding success. He was finding favor and the Lord was with him. He was the same no matter what season he was in. Here's the reason why I think Joseph was that way, because he understood a very important principle that some of us maybe need to be reminded of today, that we can be the same in every season because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The season may change, but hear me, the Savior never does. You can take my platform, you can take my position, you can take my popularity, but you cannot take my purpose. I'm still gonna live for God no matter what season I'm in. Some of us, we gotta keep that spirit with us today because I believe there are some people you don't like the season you are in. You're in a prison season and you're frustrated because you're isolated. Keep that same spirit. You may be God's best kept secret. He's just waiting to see if you will serve him in the prison. Joseph says, tell me the dream. The cupbearer goes first. He tells Joseph to dream. And Joseph goes, oh boy, I got good news for you. In just three days time, you're about to get out of here. You're going to be free from prison. The baker, I imagine, is now really excited. He's going, ooh, 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 tell me. Tell me what my dream means. He tells him the dream. And the poor baker, <laughs> this is not his story. Joseph says, yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> and sure enough, after a few days, this is exactly what happens. The baker is killed and the cupbearer is set free. As he's being set free, Joseph says, hey, buddy, remember I interpreted your dream. Remember me. He doesn't. A few years pass by and again, Joseph now is isolated, still in prison and now forgotten. 
But he understood, isolation is not my final destination. I gotta imagine he still had the same spirit when he said, you know what, I'm still in isolation. But man, that's my invitation to still continue to serve God. Point number three of my message this morning is this. Isolation often leads to your elevation. I like this one. Isolation often leads to your elevation. It's because after a few years, he's still in isolation, but then all of a sudden, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, starts having some pretty strange dreams. He's asking the people that work for him, hey, what do you think this means? What do you think this means? He's asking his servants, all his employees, what do you think this means? Nobody can figure it out. If he would have lived in today's time, he would have been Google searching. He would have been listening to TED Talks. He would have been going to the library, trying to figure out every book that he could possibly find on dreams to figure out what this was all about. But he couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, one day, the cupbearer is there. He goes, oh yeah, I forgot about my buddy Joseph. Um, hey, King, there's this guy named Joseph. He helped me with my dream. Maybe he'll be able to help you too. So they open up the prison doors. I imagine Joseph's in there looking like Tom Hanks from Castaway, right? He's got the big long beard and his hair's all long, but they trim him up. They give him a nice little fade. They put on some Egyptian mascara. You know, it's in the Bible. Read the Bible, people. <laughs> but they bring him in front of Pharaoh and to save you a little bit of details and not to spoil what we're gonna be talking about next week, Pharaoh tells him a few of his dreams. And Joseph says, Pharaoh, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Listen, we're gonna have seven years of harvest, seven years of plenty, right? And then right after that, there's gonna be seven years of famine. So we need to store up now. We need to save everything we got so that we have enough to last us all 14 years. And if we do things God's way, I promise you, we're gonna be okay. He's gonna give us success. He's gonna give us favor and he will be with us. Pharaoh then looks to his people and he goes, has anybody ever seen a guy like this before? It's almost as if Pharaoh's going, ooh boy, I like you. Where did you come from? Where have you been? Oh, Pharaoh, I know I've just now been elevated, but the truth is I've been doing this. I've been here the whole time. I was just in prison. Pharaoh, I've just been elevated, but I've been doing this the whole time. I've just been isolated so you didn't see me. I was God's best kept secret. See, I, I just decided a long time ago that I was gonna be trustworthy at my job. And even though other guys weren't doing it, I was gonna stay faithful to what I know God told me to do. And in time, I believed I was gonna be elevated. I just decided a long time ago that I was gonna live a life of purity. And even though in this world we live in, not a lot of people are doing it, I decided I was gonna do it. And it would only be a matter of time before God elevated me. I was gonna keep serving in the youth ministry Shameless plug. I was gonna keep serving in the nursery at Crossroads, right? And I was gonna keep being faithful in what God told me to do. And in time, I knew I was gonna be elevated. I was isolated for a while and I don't really get, you know, a lot of things for being in the nursery, helping out with the kids. Nobody really recognizes me for being a faithful attender and coming and being a part of the body of Christ every single week. I don't get to be up on the platform. Nobody sees what I do, but that doesn't matter. I knew even in isolation, if I was faithful, one day I'd be elevated. One day I'd be elevated. This is exactly what Joseph knew. If he was faithful in his isolation, one day it would lead to his elevation. So then Pharaoh looks at him and this is what he says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 39 and 40. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made this known to you, and there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. As Pharaoh say, he says, oh boy, we got to promote you. We've, we've got to elevate you because you've been faithful with little. I can trust you'll be faithful with a lot. As I close here in just a moment, I want to share one last story with you though. It's a story about one of our worship pastors, Jeremy and his wife, Brielle, and their amazing family. Around April of last year, Jeremy and Brielle, they, they got news that they were gonna be having their third child, a little baby boy. And we as a staff, and obviously them, we were all excited about this. And over the summer of last year, Brielle started having some complications. By fall, the doctors told her that she needed to go on bed rest. Around November of this past year, she was having a lot of pain, unusual pain. So Jeremy took Brielle to the doctor. And the doctors informed them that on that day, their little boy Braxton was needing to be born nine weeks before his due date. How many of you know nine weeks is very important to the, to the developing process of a child? So when Braxton was born, he immediately had to go into an incubator. We actually have a picture of Jeremy and Brielle and little baby Braxton. This is actually right after he came out of the incubator, but there was a season, there was a time where Brielle and Jeremy were really scared. They were really afraid. They were really worried because their, their son had been isolated from them. For a time, they could not touch their son. They could not hold him in their arms. They couldn't hold out their fingers so he could grab onto it. He was incubated and isolated from them. Yet they knew that this is what was necessary because he wasn't done developing. He needed to be isolated for a season and it was a whole entire month before they could even bring him home. They knew that it was a part of the developing process. So I have a question for you today. What if what feels like isolation is actually just incubation? You feel alone. You feel separated. You feel like things aren't going the way that you thought they would. You had a dream in the beginning. You thought God was moving. You thought he was working and it just feels like he's done. Like he stopped all of a sudden. And you feel isolated. What if what feels like isolation it's just incubation. God is developing something on the inside of you. He's working something out that you don't even see. It's frustrating. It's difficult, but he's still with you. I have a definition that I found of incubation. This is what it says. To develop slowly without outward or perceptible signs. It's, it, it's working out and not seeing results, but knowing that it's the start of strength. It's putting a seed in the ground and not seeing anything come up, but know that roots are growing. It's trusting God, even in the prison, even in the isolation, knowing that he's working things out for your good. 
You know, what I love about the Bible is that you can look at almost any story. I can search all throughout the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, and see Jesus all over it. Because Jesus was the king of isolation. Oftentimes he would be leaving the crowd to go and get alone with God. There were times where he sent his his disciples out in a boat to get away from him so he could go on a mountainside and pray to God alone. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was isolated while he prayed to God, my flesh is weak, but God, my spirit is willing. He was isolated as he was beaten and then thrown up on a cross for the whole world to mock and laugh at him. He was isolated as he not just died for your sin, but he died as your sin. And the father had to look away because he would not look upon sin. Isolated as he was taken off of the cross and buried in a tomb. And while his friends and family were frustrated because the Jesus they knew wasn't there anymore. He wasn't there to touch them. They couldn't sense him. They couldn't feel him. They couldn't talk to him. They couldn't be with him anymore. Little did they know that what seemed like isolation was actually just incubation because God was doing something. What seemed like he had just been buried in a tomb was acting a lot more like a womb because what they did not know was that our God was defeating death, hell, and the grave for all of us and our Jesus was about to make the biggest elevation in human history. I'm here to remind some people this morning because he resurrected, you can too. Because Jesus had the victory, you can too. Because he came out of isolation and he was faithful during the developing process. He was patient and it led to his elevation. Guess what, you you can be elevated too. God is still working. God is still moving. He's still got a plan for you. The dream he gave you so long ago is still at work. It's just a part of the process. Isolation is not your final destination. Isolation is an invitation to have the right spirit to continue to serve God. And isolation can lead to your elevation. Just be faithful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me if you're here on our Newburgh campus, watching online or at West. Just go ahead, every eye in the room closed, every head bowed. I wanna ask a question to you this morning. Do you feel isolated? Do you feel left out? Do you even feel forgotten? Things just didn't work out the way you wanted them to. And you're frustrated. If that's you and you're here today, whether at West or here at Newburgh, even at home, I'm just gonna ask as a sign of saying, Lord, I need to be reminded that you are with me. Would you slip up your hand right where you are? Yeah, hands are going up all around, yeah. If you're just saying, God, I need to be reminded you're still with me, even in isolation, even in the prison. Can go ahead and put your hands down. I want to tell you this again with every eye closed. If you're here at Newburgh or at West, as soon as our service is over, we invite you, if that was you and you need somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with you, just remain seated as we dismiss in just a moment. We don't want you to leave this room without knowing that there is not only a God who loves you, but there are people in this church who love you and want to pray with you. If you're watching online right now, we actually have online hosts. You can just tell them right now. You can type and say, I need prayer. 
They're gonna be there to pray with you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, that you are the God that is with us at all times, in every season, in every circumstance. Even when we can't feel that you are there, we know that you are and we trust that you are. Help us to see isolation is just a part of the process. It's not our destination. Help us to see every moment of isolation as an invitation. Obstacles are only opportunities. And help us, Lord, to be faithful so that our isolation one day leads to our elevation, God. Give us the victory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.